Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. I am really eager to, to share with you this morning. Um, if I, if I, you don't know me, if you know Dennis around here, I am his youngest son, uh, and I am his best son, and I can say that confidently because nine of my older siblings are here to beat me up, so that's, that's why I can say that. Um, I want to, oh, uh, do you, ha- you have that preaching Bible, the NLT? I, I brought a Bible, but it's the wrong translation, so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, is there a wrong translation? Sorry, yeah. Can I throw some shade on some other translations? Um, so, uh, man, I was, I was prompted this morning to, uh, to, before I really get into it, to just share a story. I grew up coming here since I was in kindergarten, um, and uh, I now work and live at Diamond Arrow up in Nevada City, get to work at a campground, and, and it's so fun and awesome, but I... I but I was just um, struck by how blessed I was to to grow up here, and to know so many folks, and uh, uh, and to see God move in so many ways. Um, I was just I, I was prompted to hear to 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 share um, just one little faith building story um, that you who have been here around for a long time, it's not you know the story, but I I will. Uh, I will um, paint the picture a little bit for those of you who um, who don't know. So I, I was at a, a a church worship night at the church we attend in Grass Valley um, called Crossroads, and um, probably like the second to last song that they sang. Um, I'm not gonna make it through this. <laughs> it was uh, in Christ alone. <laughs> I don't. A good song. I don't hear that song that often, um, which I don't know why. It's such a good song. Um, but I was uh, I was taken back while it was uh, as we were singing that song because uh, um, some of you some of you know uh, the name Julie Gittens. And, uh, she passed away in, I think, 2007. Sorry, my timeline's not great. Something like that. A couple of years before that, um, she was uh, fighting cancer. And uh, we were having church in here on a Sunday morning. And we had our uh, Dale Casperson was singing a, a, a special song. And it was, it was in Christ alone. And Julie's uh, fighting cancer. And she... She knows her days are numbered. And uh, the last verse of that song says, uh, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And sitting right over there, Julie Gittins, everyone's sitting down, she just stands up arms out wide, just declares her faith in God, 
No, and she's like, my final breath might be closer than most, than most people's, but I know that Jesus commands my destiny. What do I have to fear? And she just declared that firmly. Um, and I know that she was blessed by the Holy Spirit in that moment, making that confession. Um, and she blessed everyone else around. I don't think she really cared what we thought in that moment. But, um, but that's just one little story um, from, from my life growing up here. Where are the tissues? Do we still have those? <laughs> Um, but um, just one little story from from me growing up here of just knowing people who uh, who loved the Lord who set examples for me um, of of faith and uh, Julie was one of those ladies who just loved the Lord and loved people and and ran homeschool co-ops and and organized um, community events to help people Meet uh, uh, meet Christians and meet Jesus and uh, and come together and there's many people who um, are blessed by her ministry and many people who know Jesus because of her. <laughs> Thank you. A whole a whole box for me. Two boxes. <laughs> if all these Kleenexes aren't gone by the end of this, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, but but I. Uh, there are many people who, uh, who are living the same type of faith that Julie Gittins lived. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this church body, um, you know, that was, what's that math, 17 years ago, if, that, if, if my math's right. And, and, and that, that same faith that's alive today. Um, so, now I'll preach. Um, <laughs> I, uh, um, Greg kind of just gave me a, a, a blank canvas. He's like, hey, preach about what you want to preach about. And, uh, and so I was praying and asking the Lord. And initially, it was, we were like thinking about a spiritual disciplines series, and I was going to preach on prayer. But then Greg was like, yeah, do whatever you want, actually. So, um, but I was still called to, um, to those disciplines. And this is the season of, of Lent. And uh, so there's a lot of contemplation that goes on leading up to Easter in the season of Lent. And, uh, and I was drawn by God to the spiritual discipline of confession. Uh, oh, great. Here we go. Um, but I, I, I think you guys probably might still do a spiritual discipline series sometime. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to... Uh, like classroom teach about exactly what confession is, but um, but I feel called by the Lord to uh, to practice it, to confess. Um, so you know, hold on, it's going to be a bumpy ride. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, pray with me, and and we'll read some scripture, and 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 we'll uh, and we'll talk. Lord God, we we love you, and we honor you, and we glorify you for who you are, God. That you are. Um, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, um, that you speak and, and mountains exist and, and there was nothing and now there's everything. And you love us. You, out of everyone who could ever possibly love us, who knows everything about us, who knows the beginning from the end, who knows all the betrayal that we have done, all of the sin that we will do, you love us. Thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. 
Help us, Lord, to draw near to you today. Help us to love you more today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, Lord, be with us. Glorify yourself in us today. Amen. Um, so I want to start with a, 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 a psalm that really captures the heartbeat of, uh, of uh, confession. Did I bring my notes? Are there, are there papers over there anywhere? I've pretty much got them. Oh, nice. That's why we have the transparent pulpit. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't know where my notes are. Thank you. I was like, I could have, I definitely printed them. Um, uh, so yeah, this, um, this confession is kind of a, a, a weird thing. There's, there's some folks in our church who grew up in the Catholic faith, and, and confession has a, a, very, um, a very strict definition there, and, uh, and, uh, and they're not wrong. They're not totally wrong. I, I really appreciate uh, a, lot of, a lot of things in Catholic confession, um, and, but also we can kind of get, uh, we can kind of get turned around on, on what confession is, and um, And so I want to read this psalm to you, um, Psalm 32, uh, and it goes like this. It's a psalm of David, and it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, My body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to be under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. I love this song because it captures the heartbeat of what confession is. In verse 3 it says, When I I refuse to confess my sin, (laughs) my body wasted away. Um, I, I just remember being a kid and, um, man, I lied to my parents all the time. <laughs> I, luckily, mostly it was things that were fairly inconsequential, but just dumb. Like I was homeschooled. My dad's my teacher and I pretend that I did my homework. Like I'm the youngest. So all my other siblings are off at high school. I'm the only kid at home. I'm his only student. <laughs> like He's probably going to know. 
Um, and, uh, and yet I lie and pretend like I didn't. Um, and that, that feeling of just like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pretend and it, it weighs down. It like literally, there's like a physical kind of experience of weight on my shoulders. Um, and so feeling that weight, I would confess. No, I wouldn't. I, I was so dumb. I just, I would just keep carrying it around. Um, I was, I was good at like trying to force myself to forget stuff. Um, so I would lie and then immediately distract myself with something else so that that's not at the forefront of my mind. Um, and so, uh, so what would happen for me is that I would carry it around on my shoulders, try to pretend like it doesn't exist, but then my dad would find out. So instead of me confessing, I was found out. Uh, but, and then I was you know, punished. Um, but there was also like a sense of relief when I was found out. Because it's like, okay, well, at least the slate's clear now that I'm punished. Like, like um, until the next one, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but the issue is that, that uh, when, when I got my act together, who am I kidding? When the Lord got my act together for me, um, th- I would still be a jerk and I would still make mistakes. But then I would feel that pressure and I would say, you know, that's not right. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to go to my brother or if I'm going to the Lord or if I'm still sinning against my dad, I need to go to him and I need to ask for forgiveness. And this, this, this moment of confession, of confessing my guilt, um, it is, it's, it's terrifying because it's admitting that I'm wrong and admitting that I, um, that I have sinned. But it's also, uh, it's a moment of release. It's a moment of taking that weight and tossing it on the ground and just saying, I shouldn't have picked that up to begin with. I'm sorry. Um, and with the Lord, when we are confessing to the Lord and admitting guilt, um, we're admitting that we deserve punishment. Romans 3.23 says that the wages of sin is death. That what I earned for my work, my wage, <laughs> I went to work in sin, and what I earned is death. So I'm going to God and I'm saying, yeah, I've earned this. I have earned distance from you for all eternity. And God is faithful and just to forgive us all our sin. Uh, And so when I have admitted that I deserve death, and he says, you do. And I do have judgment. But like James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And he has mercy on me, even though I don't deserve it. And so, and so that's what confession is. It's confessing to the Lord, um, confessing to brothers and sisters. Um, sometimes you have a sin against the Lord, and you, you confess it to him, and he doesn't let you off the hook. He says, you need to go tell someone about that. Um, and that's, that's a different type of confession, where you, where you go to your brothers and sisters and you share. Um, and this is, you're not called to confess to everyone all the time. 
um, but having people that you trust that you can that you can be open and honest with. Um, it's vital, and it's part of Christian community. And if, in fact, when we take communion, we uh, we're seeking like unity with God, yes, but actually like unity with each other as the body of Christ, and. Usually when we take communion, there's a moment of like reflection, almost like, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me. Um, it's an opportunity to, to confess and get right with God, or like Paul says, uh, to not uh, eat and drink in a, in a manner that's unworthy, or to eat and drink condemnation on myself. No, to, to say, Lord, I, I don't want to do this wrong. Um, and so that type of confession... Uh, it, it brings us together in unity. Um, so uh, I'm not going to teach everything on, on confession. We'll let um, someone else go. But yeah, so I do want to confess some things. These are, this is not just like, I don't want to just have like a therapeutic venting session. Um, and I don't want to have some sort of false humility bragging that's that's not what I want to do but literally God called me to to say this and um, I've been called to repentance by the Lord and I'm gonna share about it um, I feel like every time a pastor preaches it's a big part of it is us like figuring out where God is leading us and then we're gonna just take you along with the journey with us um, this one is just like right out in the open um, so, uh, yeah, with that, let's, uh, let's jump in to, to some confession. So, obedience is a good thing. Um, God calls us to it. Um, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Um, and, and there are areas in my life that, like, things are, are kind of open-ended. There's a lot of paths to take. It's not super clear-cut which one I'm supposed to take, and God sort of gives me the option and says... I've, I've given you um, wisdom. I've given you information. Make the choice that you think will glorify me. And those are scary moments. Um, what I prefer is the situations in my life that are very clear-cut. And it's a yes or no. There are two options. I don't know which one to take. God, tell me which one to take. Um, and uh, and I've, I've had a, a stress or a, a focus in my life on obedience. Um, and I don't think that's totally wrong. I just want to be obedient to the Lord. I just want to, I just want to do what he says. I just want to do what he says. Um, and uh, recently my dad was passing along a message that he had heard um, from one of the Bayside pastors. He was sharing it with me and a friend. And, uh, and I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember him saying uh, that you would expect that God is calling us to obedience, but actually he's calling us to faith and faith will lead to obedience. And I remember him saying that and, and thinking like, yeah, but faith and obedience are connected. It's kind of the same thing, so yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, but it, it, it was weighing on me at, at a certain point, maybe a few months ago or a month ago, that I realized that my, my obedience had replaced my faith that I wanted so badly to just do what God told me to do. Lord, just tell me and I'll do it. Just tell me and I'll do it. I know that you know. I know that you are eternal and you're the one who knows the future. 
So if you tell me to do something, like, yeah, I'll do it. If there's two options and you say, don't go this way, okay, I will go this way instead. Um, and I didn't really consciously know that this change had happened in my, in my heart, in my mind. Um, but, yeah, I was desiring obedience over faith. And I was actually kind of frustrated when there was uh, a path with many options. Um, and I was just waiting for God to direct me. And he was instead laying everything out before me and saying, you choose. Uh, and it's like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I don't want to choose. I want you to tell me so that I can do it. Um, uh, but yeah, faith is different than obedience. Uh, faith fuels obedience, but faith is the abundant life that Jesus calls us to, that he promises us. Faith is a little bit scary, but it's confident. Faith is confident in Christ. Faith is uncomfortable, uh, but it's right. Um, faith is asking, while obedience is just waiting to be asked. And that's, when, that's what got me, and that's what made me realize that I was living wrong, is that what was happening is that I was waiting for God to pray to me so that I could do something for him. And I was like, oh, man, I think I'm in a cult. I think I am trying to start a cult of obedience, and like, oh, this is wrong. Like, okay, God, tell me what you want me to do, and I'll go do it. Like, I, I'm here for you, God. Um, I don't know if you don't know this. Um, God doesn't need you. <laughs> the great truth is that he wants you, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to lead you, but does he need you? No, not at all, uh, which is a terrifying thought. Um, it's a humbling thought, and it is a glorious thought all at the same time. So, you know, this is one of these areas that I want to confess is that I was, <clears throat> I was thinking wrong and I was living wrong. <clears throat> all under the veil of obedience, which is a good thing. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> sorry, but I was, I was following a good thing in a bad way. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm done with that. I, I, I want to repent and I want to turn and I want to I chase after him in faith, living a life of faith where I'm asking him, where I'm eager, just like, I, I, and I don't, I don't just want instructions from him. I'm not, his, I'm not his employee that he's bossing me around. He doesn't actually ask that of me. He, he, there, there are some places where, <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, man, I got a frog. <clears throat> uh, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Um, so, So we're not, we're not called to just be his servants where he's commanding us to do something. Yeah, well, actually, and Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So yeah, there, there is this aspect of, of obedience still, but it's out of love and communion and, and friendship, you know. Oh, you're too kind. You know what? I had a water bottle here, and I was too prideful to, to take a drink. So there's our, there's our, first, our first confession.
is live this life of faith that is being present with God, knowing him, drawing close to him, experiencing him. And that's going to fuel some obedience. Um, so that's the journey that God's been with, has been leading me on. And I'm sharing these because God told me to, but also because um, he was prompting me to share this with you today, um, that that these would be springboards for, for me to share, to confess, to, <clears throat> but also to testify to God's goodness. And, and, and maybe this is something that God's leading you in too. Uh, probably not. It's probably just me. But, but just in case, um, have your ears open. So obedience, I, I had an obedience instead of faith. And faith is what really matters. Um, okay, next thing I want to confess is apologetics. Apologetics is defending the faith, is always having a reason, in and out of season, to, to, defend, um, to defend the faith. Um, I got into this habit on, on YouTube of watching these Christian apologetic, uh, apologists who, um, who make a point of their lives to, to debate with, uh, with atheists and with uh, other faiths. Um, the existence of God, the the deity of Christ, um, and and they use a lot of really good arguments to help people see the truth. Um, and man, I watched one of these videos. Um, I was just so blessed by it, absolutely blessed by it. I just felt like I, I watched this argument happen, and and uh, and this Christian apologist offering the truth and people rejecting it. Um, and I, and, and somehow I felt blessed by that. Just like, wow, that was like, what a great explanation. These are hard questions, tackling, <laughs> tackling questions like, where does evil come from? How can God be good if there's evil in the world? Uh, and, and how does God let, why does God let good things or bad things happen to good people? Uh, you know, <laughs> all these <laughs> tough questions. And it's like, well, there are no good people. Um, but but I was I was blessed by these these uh, debates and I was like thank you Lord I'm gonna I'm gonna watch another one um, and was watched watched another video another hard question and and uh, and then I was like that was also a blessing I'm gonna watch another one <laughs> and I got into this habit of just like man I just want there's so many hard questions out there yeah how would you address that question how would you address this question that's and there was a time in my life where. Uh, you know, I was around a lot of teenagers who were asking these types of questions in their lives. So it was really good for me to like, hey, uh, you have that question? Yeah, let me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go research and, and I'll get back to you. So this was like, a, this was a healthy practice when I was having these conversations all the time. That's not exactly my phase of life right at this moment. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll be able to have a conversation with, with uh, an atheist, but, but uh, who are asking these types of questions. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fewer and far between at, at this moment in my life. Um, but, I, uh, but I keep watching these videos. And, and, I'm, and I'm seeking out these, these questions and these um, difficult questions with, with fairly simple answers. Um, hoping and asking that God would speak to me through these uh, Christian apologists. Um, and again, this isn't a terrible thing on its own, um, but the issue is that it was becoming such a focus that I was neglecting um, just opening the scripture 
and reading it for myself. I was desperate for someone else to explain it to me. That's a really hard question. I don't have an answer. What do you think, you know? Instead of opening it, when I know that God will speak to me, I know that he'll reveal stuff. Um, I just didn't have the patience to find it on my own. (laughs) And I was neglecting just asking the Lord. You know, when you come across a tough question, the best thing that I could do is say, Lord, what do you think about that? What does that, yeah, what? Why, why are there nat- natural disasters that, that hurt people? Like, man, it, are they, aren't they innocent? Did they deserve that? When I could, I could take that question to the Lord and pray. And honestly, a lot of the times when I pray, I just experience God's presence, and I know his goodness, and the question becomes smaller. And maybe I don't necessarily get a strict answer that I was looking for, but I experience his presence, and, and he leads me to do something about it. And uh, I stopped having that patience to wait for him, to wait for him to speak. Um, and I got into this mindset that, that I needed to convince people of who Jesus is and uh, that he's the Lord of the universe. Jesus is not the best idea that I need to argue and convince people of. It's not like there's a thousand worldviews in, in the world and, uh, and Jesus is the best and I need to convince people to, to get their mind right, to look like Jesus. Jesus is a personal savior, a God who wants to know them and to, and to, to invite them into his family and I get to introduce them to him. I got into this mindset of trying to argue and convince people instead of introduce people to Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to introduce someone to your friend by arguing. I haven't, because that sounds really dumb. (laughs) You have to meet my friend. You have to right now. I'll I'll prove to you he exists, you know? It's like, why wouldn't I just walk over with them and say, here they are. Say hello. Um, So I got... I got trapped in that. And, and occasionally you do need this conversation of like, they're like, no, I'm not going to meet him because I don't think he exists. And it's like, he's right there. He, like, so you, so the, the apologetic questions are, I'm not saying that they're evil or wrong or anything, but I was prioritizing them over just the fact that people just need to know Jesus. If I could just introduce someone to Jesus, he'll sort out all those questions. Because he did that in my life. Uh, like, the, the questions grow so small when I'm in his presence. Just know him and meet him, experience him, and he'll answer the questions he wants to answer for you, and he won't answer a lot of other questions. <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> and that's okay. So I was pri- prioritizing apologetics instead of prayer. And man, uh, there's, a, there's a cool verse in, in Revelation. The, the, one of the, I think it's the first letter that, um, that John is instructed to write, that Jesus is telling him he's writing a letter to a church, and, and he says, man, I, I know your works. You, you, are, you are so good at, at defending and pushing away all this false doctrine. But here's the thing I have against you. You've forgotten your first love. Like you got so into doctrine and so good at refuting the atheists and saying, no, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. Um, but you missed out on just like being with Jesus. 
So that's something that I'm confessing right now. Um, and then the next thing I want to confess is I really wanted to have holy requests. I really wanted to bring before God the things that he would want me to ask. Um, I know that I still want to have faith like a child. I still want to pursue him with, with eagerness. But I drew this line for myself on the type of things that I was going to ask for. Didn't realize I had done it. Um, we were, Rachel and I were driving and we were listening to uh, Matt Chandler's sermon and he, was, uh, and he was talking about prayer and, and he was just reading the scripture. In, in Matthew 6, it says, God already knows what you need before you ask. You don't have to use a whole ton of words. Um, and then later in Matthew 7, he says, ask, seek, knock. It will be given to you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. Even parents who are evil give good gifts to their kids. God is perfect and holy. How much more will he give good gifts if you ask? Um, and, uh, and I know that. I've known that my whole life. Um, and yet there is a part of me that would hold back on things that you're not really supposed to ask for. Um, and even though I had a desire within me, I would ignore it. Um, because, like, well, I shouldn't ask for that, actually. Um, so in my, in my life, it was like, we, we, Rachel and I have a 15-month-old 15 son. He's not 15 years. <laughs> no. 15-month-old <laughs> son. And uh, he, uh, he's not cheap, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Babies cost money. And so it's like, oh, the budget's a little tighter than it used to be. It's like, you know, so we pare things down like you're supposed to. You, it feels like you can only pare things down so much. Uh, and we were listening to this sermon, and, and Matt Chandler was, was prompting, like, what's the thing that you, like, actually really want? Like, think of something physically in your life that you really want. Think of something spiritually in your heart that you really want. And you know, ask God for him. And I was thinking, when he split it up like that, it was like, wait, I'm not going to ask for something physically in my life. That's, that's selfish. I'll ask for the spiritual thing. But then I was just prompted like, no, God cares. And more than God caring, he already knows. If I have a desire, am I going to keep it from him? No, I can't. I can't, and he knows, he knows that I want that. Um, and he loves me. And this is so silly, because as a youth pastor, I would say this all the time to teenagers, like, man, if there's one thing you're going to be with God in your relationship with God, be honest. Because God already knows, and you're not doing anyone any faith, favors by pretending. A dishonest faith is not actually a faith at all. Um, and God's not blessed by it, and you're certainly not blessed by it. So if you're going to have one thing in your relationship with God, let it be honesty. And I don't, I, you know, just, it just happened. I don't know when it happened. I don't know what moment in my life I said, yeah, I'm not actually going to pray for that stuff anymore because I'm not going to, 
I shouldn't. I shouldn't pray for that. Um, there are things that you can ask God for that you, you, he's not going to give you. Um, there are things that are sinful. But, I mean, let him sort it out. Why not talk to him? Why not just be honest about it? Like, God, I have, even if you know it's a wrong and sinful desire, God, I have this wrong and sinful desire. Uh, if I'm wrong about it being sinful, would you, would you give it to me? But if, but I don't think I am, would you help me with it? Um, but you know what? If, if I, if I want it and, and, and I, and I feel guilty about even saying it to the point that I'm just going to hold back and not ask him, man, that's just, that's not an authentic relationship with God. Sometimes asking is just like, yeah, I'm not proud of this, but um, God, I just want more money. Is that okay? <laughs> um, and, you know, he might just say, yeah, you're not going to get any more money. I'm like, okay, well, I just had to ask. <laughs> and that's okay, but what's not okay is being dishonest. So I had prioritized making holy requests instead of making honest requests. And that's just wrong. And so I'm confessing that to you, and I'm repenting of that, and I'm, and I'm moving on. I don't, I don't want to live in this world where I can only ask God for certain things. Uh, like, don't you dare ask God for that. Don't you know that he already knows your thoughts and he hears you? Don't you dare say that out loud. Like, no, he, God can handle it. He can, he can handle it. Um, and man, this, this last one's probably the worst, but I, I have had suspicion in my heart all the time. Um, working at Diamond Arrow, it's, uh, it's awesome. My job is to be the camp host, so when groups are at camp, I, uh, my job is to make sure they have everything that they need and that they're having a good camp and stuff. It's really fun. When a group's not there, my job is, at, is part of my job is kind of like a security role. You know, if someone shows up on, on the campground, uh, I get to go and talk to them and, hey, this is private property. Actually, can't really be here right now. Um, uh, but I've been so suspicious that, like, anyone who steps on the property is, is automatically evil and they're, they're, they're doing something wrong. And um, I think it might have something to be, do with being a, a new father. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that's, like, that, that there's some good seed in here that, that this grew from. But, um, but man, it's gotten to the point where I, I hear a car driving down the road, and my first thought is, like, what are they doing here? How dare they? Um, and they're just driving, like, they're on the road. They're not even, on, they're not even like, coming onto the campground. Um, <laughs> but so I, I had, like, this just weird suspicion, um, and, it, and it grew, I noticed it the worst this, the, the time that it, something started to change was uh, we had a tiny bit of snow and there was a family that had parked and was sledding. And my first thought was, <laughs> I didn't have an ounce of joy within me watching them sled. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Um, and and th that was the beginning of God convicting me, just just saying, what's, like, what is so bad that I feel like I have to, it's not even mine. Like, I don't, I don't, 
I don't own the camp. I just work there. I just get to live there. Like, why am I so bent out of shape about just someone even stepping foot on their property? And when that happened, it reminded me of when Rachel and I first moved to the camp. Um, people would walk onto the campground and I would be excited, like, wow, God just brought someone to us to minister to. Like, how awesome is that? And so I would go and I would talk to them and sometimes they would be really resistant and it was like, okay, um, actually this is private property, could you just move along? Um, but sometimes it would be an opportunity for a conversation and prayer and then also a reminder that it's private property. But I, but I, like, I just got to a point where I stopped doing that. I stopped being excited when I saw someone. I, I, my initial reaction was always suspicion and anger and frustration. Um, and so at that sledding incident was when God showed me something was wrong. Um, so then something like has to change. And honestly, this is probably the one that I'm still struggling with the most. Um, but I'm confessing it to you because I've got to repent because it's just dumb. It's stupid. Um, because I think of Jesus, um, his cousin, close relative, John the Baptist is killed, beheaded, and Jesus is distraught. Um, Almighty God, but he also has all of human emotion. He's a man, and uh, he's distraught. He's in pain. He's grieving. And he goes away from the crowds to be alone, and they follow him. Uh, and if that happened to me, oh, I'd be so angry, so frustrated. But what does Jesus do? He looks at the crowd while he is grieving, and he has compassion on them. And that's the moment that he feeds the 5,000. You know, this massive crowd, and he's, he's just trying to grieve, um, trying to be alone, but it, instead he has compassion on people, and, and he serves them. Um, I want to have that kind of heart. I want to have compassion. That's what the slide says. I want to have I had suspicion instead of compassion. I want compassion back. I want to be that guy again. Because suspicion is not what I learned as a Christian. It's not what I was trained in, even here, as, as a pastor. Someone walked onto the church property. It was like, hey, look, you just came right to us. Cool. Like, <laughs> do you know about Jesus? Um, but I, I, I need to get back to that. I need to have that, that, um, that instinct. Um, and then I think about when, uh, when Saul is blinded and, and God tells Ananias, like, hey, I'm going to bring Saul to you. Ananias is like, Lord, do you know? <laughs> you know who this is, right? Um, but he receives him at his doorstep and prays for him, and he's healed. And I think about Philip on the road and Here's a foreign man, a eunuch, a, a, a royal member of a foreign court. And yet he preaches the gospel to him because he's trying to understand. A lot of times with people outside of my immediate circle who are foreign to me, uh, I don't have that grace. But I want to be filled with that type of compassion. Um, but, but I've gotten to this place, instead of having compassion, I have suspicion because I think that the property is mine to defend and it's not. It's God's. 
it's not mine to defend, it's God's to use. Um, so just, just to make myself feel better, I'm going to turn it on you now. Um, what about this church building? Is it yours? Is it? No, it's, it's God's to use. Um, there, there's all sorts of drama that can happen in a church where it's like, man, I really want to put on this event. And the elder's like, I don't think that that's where we're supposed to be. And, you know, we get frustrated. So the question we have to ask is like, okay, well, why am I frustrated? Because God's not letting me serve him in the way I want to serve him? Hmm. No, I, this property isn't mine to use. It's God's to use for his glory. And with the elders and staff and ministry leaders, sometimes we, we can operate out of protection. Like, no, we need, to, we need to do our best to preserve what God is doing here. Um, sometimes that's not operating from a place of faith. Sometimes that is, you know, suspicion. Um, and what about your home? Is your home yours or is your home God's to use for his glory? What about your neighborhood? Like, are, are you a neighborhood protector, or are you someone who, when someone wanders into your neighborhood, you have the opportunity to minister to them? Um, you know, so, sometimes God gives us a discernment in our heart uh, to protect. Obviously, listen to that. But, um, but we should lead with compassion. And what about the homeless person who's on my corner, who's always there? What if I started with compassion instead of suspicion? Man, what a, what a joyful life that would be. What, what an exciting life. And what, a, what a, a life of sharing Christ with people. Um, and so th- these are things that God has called me to, to repent and to, and to, to change. And um, I want to invite you to follow that as well. Um, I want to invite you to, to, to seek within yourself uh, and ask God, is there any wicked way within me? Ask him to reveal these things to you. If it's, if it's just like one of mine, well, hey, praise God, we're in it together. And, but it's probably different than mine. Ask him to, to reveal so that you can confess to him. And sometimes he might ask you to share that with someone else. Um, have the, the, tr- close to, the trusted close friends that you, can, that you can share that with, that you can be honest and vulnerable with. I was thinking about vulnerability and the, the image that uh, we always used to say was like, oh, vulnerable, yeah, like a turtle out of its shell. Um, turtles can't get out of their shells. <laughs> their shell is like their bones. Um, if you take a turtle out of its shell, it's dead. Um, and, but that is actually what vulnerability feels like. It feels like someone just ripped my bones out of the inside of me and was like, here, look at it. And it feels like I'm dying and like, no, I didn't want... Uh, but that's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. But what vulnerability actually is, is like an x-ray or MRI, which is totally invasive. Um, but if you trust the doctor, it's very, very good. It's very, very good. You're like, I didn't even know that was in there. I didn't even know what it looked like on the inside. But because I was transparent and vulnerable, uh, someone else was able to see what I couldn't even see. So be vulnerable with God, like on the operating table, and be vulnerable with people that you trust, who, who you can share with. Um, so I want to um, invite us to a, a short time of prayer where we can, we, we can reflect and we can ask. I'm so grateful that we have a prayer time every, every Sunday morning. Um, that a lot of that is for that purpose, and I want to I invite us into that moment. 
right now. So close your eyes and bow your heads and just ask the Lord, is there any wicked way within me? Let me just lead you, guide you in this prayer. Lord, is there there any way that I've been thinking wrong about you? Jesus, is there any way that I've been living that isn't that isn't how you want me to live? God, is there a part of my flesh, my my selfish desires that I've allowed I've allowed to to rule my life instead of you ruling my life? God, is there any area of my life that I've just outright refused to surrender to you? Is there any place in my heart where I still don't believe you? Lord God, we confess these things to you and we ask that you would um, change us. Um, we admit our guilt. We admit the shameful thing in our heart and um, we just put ourselves at, at your feet um, and you have the power to judge us. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us and restore us and give us joy and faith and abundance as we as we pursue you, Lord. Lord, if any one of us in our heart uh, doesn't believe you, I pray that you would save us, Lord. I thank you that the very first confession we make as Christians is that, that one of salvation that says, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I thank you that you're the one who does all the work to save us, but what you invite us into is to confess and to accept, to receive your invitation. And then to testify to your goodness. So Lord, move in our hearts today. Allow us to um, reflect you, to shine bright to everyone around us, um, to have compassion like you have compassion, Lord. We love you, God. We pray all this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I also uh, have one last thing before we go. Uh, the, the reason why I called and asked Greg if I could come and speak is because in April, we're having a, a fundraiser at Diamond Arrow. Uh, um, if, you've been, if you've been to Diamond Arrow, will you raise your hand? There's, there's a lot of us who have been to Diamond Arrow. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it, it's, it's a special place. God works everywhere. Um, but uh, he also works at Diamond Arrow. I've experienced it, and <laughs> I've experienced it in my life, um, and, and I, I felt blessed by going there as a kid since I was in uh, middle school, um, but, uh, but also blessed that I get to work there and, and, uh, and live there. Uh, 
Um, but so we want to invite you, if you, uh, you know, God, God, your money is God's money. <laughs> it's, not, it's not your own. Uh, and God is calling some people to donate and to, and to support Diamond Arrow and the ministry that's happening there. Um, but he's not calling everyone. So I'm just asking you to, to pray and to ask if God might be calling you to this. So uh, our fundraiser dinner is on April 27th at 5 p.m. in the dining hall. We cook a tri-tip dinner. It's amazing. We also play games, play bingo. Rachel's dad, Mike, is a bingo caller, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, and we share Diamond Arrow stories, and we talk about what God is doing there. Um, our fundraiser is to remodel the, the dorms in Lower Pearl Cross. And if you've been in there, you know that those dorms have been well-loved and well-used and uh, need a little sprucing up. So uh, uh, there's a, a whole lot of check marks that we want to try to meet, a lot of goals that we have. But if we, if we meet our ultimate goal, which I forget the actual number. I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think like the, the top goal is like, man, whoa, if we got up there to like, $125,000 or something like that, uh, Lower Pearl would have air conditioning. <laughs> so if that's not an incentive, I don't know what it is. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's going to be an awesome night, and, uh, and we'll also be honoring the, the legacy of the woman, Pearl Cross, who was a missionary in the Church of God. Um, so that's going to be very cool. If you don't know anything about Diamond Arrow, just a quick snapshot of last year. We served 64 groups, over 6,000 guests, and there's a list of some of the types of retreats um, that we had. And um, Diamond Arrow exists to be a distraction-free environment where people can encounter Jesus. Um, and the ways that we do that is through a friendly staff, through delicious food, and through good accommodations, clean accommodations, which is why we want to upgrade Lower Pearl Cross, because we have a sense that it has gotten less attractive, less comfortable. Um, but the whole reason why we do what we do is for pictures like this. This was a group in, in uh, January from Elk Grove, a youth group, um, about 100 kids. And this was their last night. Um, actually, you know, I don't know if you can see it that well right here, but there was about um, uh, the group leader. He was actually a guy I went to Jessup with, but he showed me this picture and I was like, man, can, can I have that picture? He's like, yeah, totally. Um, there's about 30 kids up in the front sitting on the ground, kneeling and, and praying, and, and uh, many of them receiving Christ for the first time. And uh, that's, you know, we're, we create a space and we pray for this space that, that God could have this ministry here. Um, the truth is he could do this in your living room also, um, but it just so happens that he has called Diamond Arrow to be a place um, where moments like this happen. So, um, so we want to invite you to that fundraiser dinner to be a part of the ministry uh, that God is doing there. Um, so that's all I have for you. I'm just praying a blessing over you as you go out today. We love you, and thanks for being here.